and I'm the Public Relations Director at the World's University Services Club at Ontario Tech University. Today, we have with us Rino Oduala to talk about the NSARS hashtag. So to start off, do you mind introducing yourself and also can you provide an overview of the work you do with regards to NSARS? Yes, hi everyone. My name is Rinu Udwala. I am an influencer and entrepreneur. I use my voice to um, talk about issues surrounding humanities. Um, I try to use my platform to speak out against the injustice and oppression that's happening in Nigeria. More importantly, I'm an active Nigerian citizen. And as a female growing up in Nigeria, our uh, ethno-religious society constantly reminds you that you only need to be seen and not heard. So you have to fight other than usual for your voice to get heard. I was um, propelled to go out to protest to increase the public awareness and put a spotlight on injustice and oppression that is happening in Nigeria. Protest is the only language the Nigerian government pays attention to. Also, the scary realization that me or my loved ones may be victims of oppression at any moment because growing up in a marginalized community among oppressed people, you always need to change the status quo. And the need to change the status quo made me join the NSAS movement. I had since last year joined protests, I've signed petitions, I've um, participated in boycotts, I've also been on a judicial panel. More importantly, I've used my voice to expose the and voice out against police brutality and harassment. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. Using your voice to speak up is one of the biggest movements that can be done to help, 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 you know, prove a point. And definitely there will be a lot of backlash for that. And using your voice, just continuing to using your voice is definitely something that will help. So on to the next question, can you please explain what exactly SARS is in Nigeria and why are people opposed to it? And how does it relate to the idea of the need for better governance? Thank you. So this is a question that um, needs to be broken down so people can understand what exactly we're facing in the country. SAS is an abbreviation for the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, or they are referred to as FSAS at times, which is the Federal Special Anti-Robbery Squad. That the police unit that was set up um, decades ago when we battled with issues of crime and kidnapping. So they were set up in 1992 to combat armed robbery and other serious crimes. So SAS is part of the Nigerian police force and we are responsible for hundreds of extrajudicial killings, hundreds of enforced disappearances, hundreds of other unlawful killings each year. In the days of the early units, they operate undercover in plain clothes. And their mandate includes to arrest, to investigate, 
and to prosecute suspected armed robbers, murderers, kidnappers, hired assassins, and other violent criminals. Now, because of these new powers they have, the unit moved on from its main function of its covert operations and began to set up roadblocks to extort money from citizens. They remained in plain clothes, but they started to carry guns in public. And over time, they engaged in widespread human rights abuses, extrajudicial killings, torture, arbitrary arrest, unlawful detention, extortion. They also moved on to targeting young people for cyber crimes, just simply because you own a laptop or a smartphone. Then they demand excessive bail fees to let them go. Now, since 2017, you know, the protest has been building momentum across Nigeria from online advocacy to street protests. But in October, a SAS official, officer allegedly shot a young man in Delta State. Then, you know, the, the anger about the unit activities culminated into a nationwide protest in over 20 states in Nigeria. They have been brutalizing and killing poor, voiceless Nigerians while protecting the rich. In Nigeria, the Nigerian police force have been reduced from being law enforcement agents to merely being trigger-happy tools in the hand of the government and desperate politicians. There's no sugarcoating about it. The Nigerian police have been brutal, they've been callous and most unprofessional in carrying out their duties. For SAS, for every progressive young Nigerian is a suspect, especially those with dreadlocks, those with flashy cars, you have an iPhone, you have a laptop. They're not only killing Nigerians, they have been killing dreams and future leaders. And at the root of this police brutality, we have an undertrained and underpaid force. There's lack of motivation. They are ridiculously undertrained and underpaid. They are also ridiculously under-equipped. And this combination, you know, has bred frustration and aggression, inefficiency within the force. So SAS um, started with calling the entire protest in October, called for an immediate release of protesters, justice for victims, compensation for families, you know, in a judicial panel, and psychological evaluation of these officers. Also an increase in police salaries, so they can be adequately compensated. And how does this connect to bad governments? The, the gross inequality in, in wealth in the country saw young people going out on the street because it's a, fi- it's a fight for survival. Despite Nigeria having one of the largest African economies, there's high level of poverty, high level of basic services as a result of corruption. We're still, we're still struggling with basic necessities such as electricity, healthcare, good roads, security. Funds for healthcare never get never get used, and the politicians do not care as they have liberty to travel abroad for anything, including their medical needs. Students in public schools do not get um, adequate ed- education. They're studying in shameless conditions. Many schools are deserted. Some schools are even without roofs. There are no tables and chairs for students to learn. So you can see now that the, the protest was as it, it was about insecurity and it was also about bad governments. Insecurity is only a reflection of the systemic failure in the Nigerian nation. So police brutality may have been what sparked the protest, but bad governance is the fundamental reason.
thank you for that detailed explanation. It definitely helps put more perspective on on the issue. It helps us see beyond what the pictures we see on social media shows. Um your experiences with regard to involvement in the NSARS protests? Yes, thank you. Um, I said earlier that I organized a protest back in June um, last year against police brutality. So we still had some of the, you know, placards and some of the members who attended the June protest. And October, you know, when we saw the viral video of the young man that was shot by SARS officers, I reached out to people via social media and said, we need to do something about it. There needs to be a change in the status quo. We've been complaining for the past one decade. And, you know, the Nigerian government keeps promising that they've disbanded or they're going to reform this unit and nothing has been done about it. So I said, let's hold another protest for three days. But this time around, we're not just going to go out there and protest and go back to our homes. We are going to be sleeping out on the streets. And that was what we set out to do. And so we, we protested in front of the police headquarters in Lagos and the State House of Assembly also in Lagos. And there were many challenges, you know, at first just getting people to join the protest because everyone is scared for their lives. The situation is there. Um, you're just if, if you're just going on the road or you're just going to your work or you're just going along your normal daily lives you could get killed talk less of joining a protest so you can understand the fear around joining a protest uh, and standing against the government's uh, incapabilities also there was these challenges around um, detention so there wouldn't be protesters with police hostility because in that condition anything can happen however um being amongst other Nigerians fighting for change made me see that my voice matters and it is meant to be heard. At a young age, I am voicing out for change, you know, breaking out of the norm. And more importantly, I'm not the only one doing it. I'm doing it alongside thousands of young people in the same situation. People who have been mentally subdued, people who have been defeated, who have been complacent for decades, people who cannot go about their normal lives because they are afraid of the police force in their whole nation. You know, people who um, are, are resilient, but are just kept under mental chains. They cannot speak up, they cannot voice out, they cannot, they cannot thrive. They have to remain defeated. So it was important that we all stood together and we ignored, you know, the lines that always divided us, those tribal lines, the religious religious lines that always divided us and we stood together. Thank you. A big movement like that must have taken a lot of effort and your passion and need for change in the country must have driven you, not and just not you, just all the, the many lives fighting for their rights. So, Based on your experience, can you please explain how the goal of 
protest advocacy evolved from NSARS to end bad governance. Yes, thank you. So like I said earlier, um, the protests were about insecurity. But on the larger scale, it was actually about bad governance. The outburst of the physical protest is as a result of the failure of the government to treat the root causes of police brutality. So rather than being empowered, Nigerian youth are, are reduced to a bunch of frustrated citizens. Many citizens, many young people are becoming political thugs and agents of destruction in the hands of our politicians. In fact, many have paid the ultimate price with their lives while these politicians are in their heavily guarded houses. You know, children of our politicians study abroad in some of the best schools abroad. They graduate on schedule while Nigerian youth are taking years to graduate due to strikes due to no teaching aids. I have been in school for the past, it's going to five years now. We've had strikes, we've had a lot of things that we should not be dealing with in the 21st century. And this is some of the frustrations we're talking about. This is not what we're bargained for. This is not what we elected these people for. But we're not, we're, we're not even only furious because there are no jobs. We're not furious because we're not being included in, in, in the government. We're furious because of fundamental issues. Like I said earlier, lack of basic amenities, lack of electricity, lack of bad roads, lack of good roads, the, the, the academic calendar that is distorted, the absence of security, the lack of enabling environment. We cannot, we cannot live without working on eggshells. The Nigerian youth are furious, angry about everything. We're going, we're going from protest to arrest to extrajudicial killing. It's not rocket science to see that the future of the Nigerian youth is under serious threat because of a government that lacks vision, that lacks sound judgment, because of a government that, that is founded on lies and deceit. Nigerian youths want a future where they can look back and not regret living, where we can be globally recognized. But that future is now elusive. That future, our dreams and ambitions are being killed off and squashed under, under nepotism, under incompetence and corruption. Our, our ambitions are not realizing because the government is watching and doing nothing. And that is the fundamental reason for this purpose. Frustration. We've been driven to our breaking point. Most of us have reached, reached our, our elastic limits. Most of us, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you call 100 Nigerian youth and tell them you want to grant them visa to leave the country, 99.9% of them will leave it. Because for us, living in Nigeria is like, it's like living, it's, it's taking a risk. If there's anything the Nigerian youth, we Nigerian youth are certain of, it is the uncertainty of our future. Because we, we, we continue to live in this my role of of insecurity, of lack of basic things that we're supposed to have. And those that can afford to leave the country often lives. So with the shout of answers, um, all comes alive in the hearts of young Nigerians that have lost hope before. The young Nigerians that want a better country, that fight for democracy instead of a dictatorship. NSAS has become um, a slogan in matters concerning social inequality, injustice. It has united us 
in our struggle against police brutality and bad governance because we cannot be grateful for a democracy where lives are being lost just for simply speaking up and it's 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 not to be asked from nigerians to back down and we're not going to back down that are we going to stop from holding the government accountable to us because at the bottom of it all nigeria is all we have and we're demanding that it works for us and not just for the children of nobody for the children of everybody somebody and those people that have no voices those people that are not that do not have people in political offices the nigeria that we dream of has to work for everybody definitely the need for change and action is very important in this issue and it's not easy to leave the country you were born and raised in but like in the case of Nigerian youth you mentioned how like if they were given a visa to a foreign country like they would basically take up take the offer instantly like definitely the need for change in action as i mentioned is very important here um consequences for those who choose to raise their voice regarding SARS. Thank you. Um there has been, you know, a lot I could go on and on for the next one hour about the intimidation from the government, the harassment staff from our um the the feminist group who crowdfunded during the protests, their accounts were shut down, their websites was shut down. There was a lot of news website, you know, traditional news website in the country that were reporting the progress of the protests. Some of them had their websites shut down. Um, many news stations that carried news of the protests had their, their stations sanctioned, like over almost um over five stations had you know sanctions on them and they were to pay um millions of naira for these sanctions um over bank accounts frozen there were about 20 protesters including my account uh, our accounts were frozen for no reason in fact they were frozen before the courts gave any order to be frozen the central bank of nigeria asked for those accounts to be frozen they said they wanted to investigate our accounts for counts of terrorism and you know all sort of bogus charges and our accounts were freeze for over three months some accounts are still frozen although the court has given an order um, last month for those accounts to be frozen because the bank central bank of nigeria said they wanted to investigate these accounts but no investigations were, were made um, or done for the last you know four to five months then um jail time so many protesters actually went to jail some are still languishing in cells across the country just for simply protesting against police brutality many protesters were beaten many have been profiled have been arrested there's been a lot of cyber attacks against uh, perceived frontliners of the protest there have been troll attacks the government set up a coordinated web campaign to consistently launch troll attacks on frontliners there have been um dss trails and so many frontliners um many frontliners have been tagged terrorists 
like I said, okay, I, I, I failed to mention that um, my passport was seized alongside four others deceased uh, passports without any any reasons for those passports. Some were prevented from leaving the country. Um, they said we're on a blacklist or a no-fly list. Phone threats have been made to frontliners, including me, um, that those phone threats will include just some strangers telling you to back up the protest or else you get killed. Um, we've been dragged to court, you know, about the several court suits regarding our participation in the NSAS protest. The government has just launched, you know, an ending campaign on coordinators of the protest. Uh, I talked about the fly list, then threats online and offline to family members of frontliners, family members of protesters. Uh, for me, I can't even resume school due to the threats and bank freeze. I'm also being targeted through my school because it's a government-owned school. Um, you know, they tell you that if, if you if you return to an environment where they know you, you'll be killed or you'll not be allowed to graduate. Um, several journalists report how um, their meetings with politicians shows how much these states they have against the protest and the campaign and how they plan to arrest journalists, you know, frontliners of the protest. So many journalists have had to leave the country after the protest. So many frontliners, including DJ Switch, who streamed live um, the Lekki Tollgate incident, she had, had to leave. I had to leave the judicial panel due to the fact that, because I joined the judicial panel after the protest, I was meant to investigate issues surrounding police brutality, but because of threats and the fact that the government was not willing to do anything, I had to leave the country. Um, unknown men, unknown gunmen visits acts of frontliners and so many more that you know I could go on and on like I said for over an hour and take this thing. These are um, some of the things or these are some of the consequences that frontliners and protesters have had to face for choosing to raise their voice regarding SARS. Yeah, it must be very difficult to come out with with lots of censorship, attacks, and even obstacles just for speaking up, using your voice and speaking up, and basically using your voice to confront those who are who are responsible and have them accountable for their actions. Last question for today, and I would actually like to thank you for coming to this podcast and sharing your views and helping us spread awareness. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you for um, helping to amplify Nigerian youth voices. It's an hard time for most of us. And most of us have, you know, had a lot of traumatic experience dealing with this. It's it's strange that at very young ages that many of us choose to use our voice to speak up uh, against bad governance and police brutality. We are being punished for it. We are being punished for being active citizens. We are being punished for wanting our country to become better. We are being punished for asking for a better future. So we've really been through a lot. And if, if you you know ask many people, it's really been a traumatic 
six months i know I, i think this is the six months after the protest has been a traumatic six months many of us you know have had our mental health damaged and we have had to see therapists many are just dealing with the consequences of having to stand up and just use your voice to speak so it's a lot and thank you thank you for um amplifying this this news and these voices it's glad that there are people out there that uh want to know what is happening and want to know what to do about it especially more importantly want to amplify the voices coming out of nigeria Safa from World University Services of Canada. I am currently the president and I'm going to be discussing with you the connection was has to Nigeria and the stance on NSARS. So, we are a Canadian nonprofit organization which works to create a better world for all young people. We bring together a diverse network of students, volunteers, schools, governments, and businesses who share the same vision as ours. Together, we foster youth-centered solutions for improved education, economic, and empowerment opportunities in over 15 countries around the world. Was has worked in Nigeria for a mapping study. From July 2019 to September 2019, there were many highlights of the initiatives across Africa and raised new insights on the complex relationship between displacement, education, postgraduate employment and the legal frameworks and policies that impact access for displaced youth. As Renu mentioned, SARS stands for Special Anti-Robbery Squad, which seems like a police unit to stop robberies in Nigeria. However, it has been abusing people and accusing them of crimes that they did not commit. Was understands that police brutality affects the youth of Nigeria receiving inadequate education and their ability to be successfully employed. Africa nearly has 420 million youth aged 15 to 35 and of that group one third are unemployed and another third are vulnerably employed and only one in six are in wage employment although there's many systematic barriers that restrict youth employment there are also supply side challenges particularly the lack of high quality relevant skill training programs that are driven by a market demand and link to the gaps of experiences that employers are starting to see was sees the importance in implementing pipeline programs to support displaced youth especially girls and young women to access and succeed in mainstream education systems from primary to secondary and beyond so there are a couple measures that was goes through to help the people um with the nsars movement was continues to empower youth starting with the students who do have a refugee background by welcoming them into accepting and empowering communities they are encouraged to use their voices to advocate for their rights 
with the support of WUS. WUS is also supporting the following initiatives in Africa, for example, having official recognition of credentials across borders, improving accessibility for young women and refugees to these educational programs, as well as offering a two-year diploma and certificate programs and increasing scholarship programs. At Ontario Tech University, we are expecting a new student next year and we're really excited. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for our next episode and make sure to follow us at wis.otu.